0: Barnacles are an interesting species. <laughs> they have a three-stage life cycle. Okay? The first stage, they the first two stages are larval stages, and the third stage is the adult stage. The first larval stage is called the nauplius stage. In this stage, the organism basically grows for about six months and, and moves into this, this second stage, which is only existing for a few days to weeks. The second stage is called the Cyprius stage. In this stage, the barnacle is mobile in both of these first two stages. And when it gets to the second stage, its whole job in this stage is to find a place to attach itself, which it can then convert itself into an adult barnacle and spend the rest of its five to ten years of life living on a rock. Now, a barnacle on a rock uh, stays there. It cannot move. And it basically just has to hope to be able to reproduce. So it's hopeful that there's other barnacles near it. It can't move to find other barnacles. Um, It's just stuck there. So we are kind of like barnacles. This barnacle has to make a choice in a five, you know, couple day to couple week period of time Where it's going to spend the rest of its life planted on some rock. Just that short amount of time. And actually, if it it doesn't find a place that it likes and keeps moving around, it, it uses up its energy stores. It doesn't feed in its second stage of life. So the longer it goes to find a place, the more kind of less, the less choosy the barnacle actually will be for the location to find. For us. We have to make choices. Some choices we see as, you know, very important, big things that, you know, change the trajectory of our life. Other choices seem very, you know, small and kind of daily. But our choices, too, affect our lives. You don't want to be placed on a rock that's just getting pummeled by the waves and, you know, there's no other barnacles around to, you know, um, well, (laughs) connect with in a relational sense. You've got to have a good location. The choices that we make matter. So the question for us today is, hey, we're in this series called Advance. How do we make choices in our life that are going to advance us forward? Both, you know, personally on our own personal journeys, but also, you know, on in our, in our faith journey with others as a church. How do we advance? What are the choices? What's the grid for making decisions that's going to guide us along our journey and help us to really advance and move forward in all that God is calling us to do. Okay, so to answer this question, we're going to be in our final, final series today in, in the book of Joshua. And let me give you a quick background on where we've been. We're going to be ending this, this series thing moving to the, the final two chapters of the book of Joshua. What we've seen is the Israelites, okay, if you've seen the movie Prince of Egypt, okay, we're talking about Israel and Moses. Okay, they come out of Egypt. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. And then they finally are ready to go into the promised land. They cross the Jordan River in the first couple chapters of the book. And uh, then they do all these battles. And then in the middle of the book, actually, chapters 13 through 21, it's just a listing of after all the warring is over, it's just like lists and lists of all the land that is allotted to all the different tribes. And then we come to where we are today. Uh, We're going to turn to Joshua chapter 23. If you have a Bible, you can pull that out and read along as I'm going to read this. We're going to start in verse 1. This is Joshua chapter 23. So this is Joshua addressing the people kind of in the later stages of his life. So after all the conquering, all the dividing of the land, we come to this. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Now note, in this chapter, Joshua is rehashing all the major themes in this book. God has given them rest on every side. God has fought for them and fulfilled every promise to them. And it's the Lord that has brought them to this place. Verse 6. What are they supposed to do? Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Rehashing back to chapter 1, Neil's first message about Joshua clinging to this book. He's giving them that same message again. Verse 9, For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he has promised. Be very careful there to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. We're almost done. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that He has given you. Amen. Okay. So the first point I want to make from this is that God is calling us to move forward. There is always another journey for us. As individuals, there's room for us to grow. As a community of people, there's room for us to move forward. As we've been talking about, there's lots of people in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. So Joshua is is inviting these people and saying, hey, there's still more territory to take. The battle's not over. It's It's not a speech of... All right, everybody. Good job. Won some battles. You over there? Saw you. Job. You over there? Found the back. Awesome. Okay, everybody. I'm just gonna take it easy, kick back, enjoy life. Mission accomplished. That's not what it is at all. He's actually saying, "Hey, there's more to be done." Right? And God is promising more inheritance. He's saying, "Hey, if you continue to follow me, there's more land that I'm going to give you, and I'm calling you to do this." Right, the same is true for us. Okay, Again, personally in our own lives, our own journey, there's always room for us to grow as individuals, growing in the Lord, becoming more like Jesus. Right, these parents that were up here on the stage, okay, they have just started a journey of parenthood. Right, Speaking for myself, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done. Very stretching. Okay, There's always room to grow as a parent. More wisdom to gain. More love that you can have in your heart for your children and ways of shepherding them and guiding them. And again, for our whole, our country, right? The trajectory of our country, having an effect on that. There's a journey that we're walking out with that, and the journey with reaching the world. We've been talking a lot about the nations today. Um, My grandfather died a week ago this morning. And I know Neil mentioned that Jade and I had gotten sick last week, which is why we weren't able to be here. We were actually down in Connecticut, just saying goodbye to my grandfather, and he died last Sunday. Um, And he actually would have been 94 years old today. So he lived a long life. But even though he had a long life, he lived a good life, he was a follower of Jesus, we we trust that he is is now in God, loving it in heaven. Uh, It's sad when people die. There there is a hole here. I will not receive another birthday card from my grandfather. I won't be able to go and see him. Death is sad. It's, It's still tragic even when Someone has lived a long, full life of ninety-four, almost 94 years. And I, I, I bring that up to make this point. The Bible says that in Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We probably have a chance to live in such a way that we don't have to watch our kids die or so that they have to face death. And what I mean by that is the Bible says that Jesus is not going to return until all the nations have heard about Him. We have a chance because of where the world is at, our ability to travel, and how the Gospel is spreading all over the world to live so that our kids don't have to die. They will see Jesus and don't have to face the tragedy of death. Uh, The founder of our our movement of churches named Jimmy Cyber, has this on his answering machine, actually, at the end of the message. You know, hi, this is the Cyber family. You know, please leave a message. I'm sure it's more upbeat than that. He's from Texas. They're all really happy down there. Um, It says, if you want to see the king, finish the job. That's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to spread the news about Jesus So that Jesus can return and make every wrong right in this world. To wipe away every tear. To make the world run the way that it's supposed to. So evil is eradicated from this earth. Now, that takes a lot of decisions. Okay? Grand vision for your own personal journey of becoming like Jesus. Of being more mature. Of growing just, you know, in yourself. Of spreading this this gospel of Jesus all over the earth. But there's a lot of decisions between here and there. Another guy uh, that we have had speak here before calls it the war of a thousand choices. Right? Every day, thousands of choices. And so multiply those through a lifetime. We make lots of choices that impact this, this calling and this desire to grow and to advance in our lives. So Joshua's trying to give the Israelites a grid that as they walk out these daily little things in their life, they're on the right trajectory to lead towards victory, to really advance. Now the curious thing is, he's talking about idolatry. That's kind of a weird thing to talk about, like idols, these little you know, stone things that people used to carve and you know bow down to and present some little you know, offerings of grain and food. Now, he could be talking about you know, some military strategy or their foreign policy that they're going to establish. He could be talking about, okay, here's how you strengthen the economy or here's how you live a successful life. I did a pretty successful campaign. You know, Not much bad written about me in this book. I did a pretty good job. He could be talking about all these different things. Instead, the one obstacle that he presents as inhibiting this nation's progress is idolatry. You know, he he basically guarantees them success apart from this one thing. He says in one of these verses, in verse 9 and 10, as for you, no man has been able to stand before you this day. You always win. You win every game. It's always a victory. One man of you puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised. But there's one thing that can keep them from victory and that is this weird thing of idolatry. So what in the world is that? I mean, come on. This was like 3,400 years ago or something like that. I mean, that's it's a little hard for us to connect with. No one's has a little shrine in their house and they're, you know, bowing down to it and saying prayers. I, I mean, at least I've never seen one. I can't say that you don't have one, but it's possible. An idol, if we can connect that to the modern world for us, because it's actually still the same, it's anything that. Keeps us from a state of rest. It's anything that keeps us from a state of rest. It's anything you say, I have to have that. A professor that I had once said this hey, idolatry is saying this I'll be happy as long as I have Jesus it's for Christians and fill in the blank. And idol is something that steals our joy. And our peace, it it always makes us restless. It keeps us in a state of restlessness. Anything that keeps us from feeling complete, and the reason is because it can never deliver. Even once we've gotten that thing that we really wanted, once we have, we go, oh well, it wasn't all that great. You know, it's like a kid at Christmas. You 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 have this awesome idea, and I wanted this. This one time, this, uh, this Lego pirate ship. And you're know you you're, you're hoping that, that that box is going to be on the tree. And when your parents aren't looking, you're, I'm sneaking over and shaking the boxes. And you kind of know how big it is because you've been to the store. And you, you, I memorize the exact you know, dimensions of the box, you know, math guy. And you're like, oh, I think that's the box, but you can't tell it's wrapped. And you kind of jiggle. oh, yeah, I bet that's it. You know, you can hear a little bit. And then you get it, and it's like, oh, wow, I built this Lego ship. And then you don't really play with it anymore after that. And then it's like, oh, what am I going to get this year, you know, or for my birthday in three weeks or whatever, you know. So it's like that as adults too. We don't really change all that much. We're always after something that's going to make us complete or give us a feeling of being at peace and rest. And these things that we run after in our lives, they never deliver. Because idols always keep us from a state of rest. When we're longing for something, we're always thinking about that thing. Man, I've got to get this job. If I don't get this job, you know, I can't get the bills. And Oh, man, I really hope that I get this promotion. It's always keeping us in a state of fret and never peace and rest. Only God can give us rest. That's the message of the Bible. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus or this church thing is kind of a little weird for you, I know that you can connect to a feeling of rest, restlessness or without peace. And my, my challenge to you is, think about if the things in life, if you think they really will ever put your soul at rest. Is there something out there, if you have a restless heart, is there something that actually will meet that place of giving you peace? And if you feel like you do have something, well, what if you lost that thing? And we saw these men today that were killed in uh, the Middle East for their faith. I saw, I didn't click on it, but on YouTube there's an interview of a wife of one of these men. What if you lost the thing that was most precious to you? St. Augustine said idolatry is worshipping anything that ought to be used or using anything that ought to be worshipped. It's looking at something in our lives and saying, I have to have this. This is ultimate to me. I've got to have this. And what Joshua is saying is, hey, this is the one roadblock to success. Guys, if you turn away from the Lord and start worshipping these things that aren't supposed to be worshipped or Putting them in a place where you say, this is something I must have. It's going to go all wrong. Now, if you know the story at all, if you've read the Bible, it goes all wrong. The book of Judges is a mess. That's the next book in the Bible. It's just one, one horrible turn to the other. And it's also, a, it's a spiral downward. The, Lord, you know, the people turn away from the Lord. They start doing their own thing. And then God raises up a leader. Delivers them. They repent. That leader dies. Spiral downward. And each successive leader feels like they, they, they themselves are even less good of a leader and more manipulative and have their own issues. So it goes wrong. Because the way to beat idolatry is to cling to God. That's the wordage that Joshua uses here in this passage. Right? He says in verse 8, but you shall cling to to the Lord your God, just you have, as you have done to this day. You know, Neil mentioned last week there's a passage in the Bible talk about clinging to idols. There's this interesting thing of clinging to something. Neil's big idea last week was clinging to an idol forfeits revival. And he walked us through and said, hey, here's some different things you can do. If you, if you recognize, you know what? I've been making you know, a relationship all important to me. You know, if I was ever to lose this relationship, oh, life would be over. Well, according to the Bible, that's not true because God is the only one that can give you rest, not a relationship with someone else. And so Neil walked us through, hey, you need to confess that to the Lord. You need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing that, for making that more important. And then he can change you. So it's a process that we need to go through of recognizing the different things in our lives that we are clinging to and saying, these are all important. I have to have these things. And confessing that to the Lord and asking him to help us change. But that's the first step. The second step is we have to then cling to God, because He is the only one that can satisfy us. You see, we're barnacles. We always have to cling to something. We can't live if we don't grasp onto something and have some kind of a foundation to hold on to. And so if we're not going to cling to God, we're going to cling to something else. So we can confess idols and recognize, hey, I've been making this too much of a priority and thinking about dwelling on this, Lord, I'm sorry. But if we don't then turn and grasp onto God, we're just going to go right back. Might be something else this time. But we have to cling to God. Now, this word in, in the Hebrew is the same word it uses in Genesis 2 when it says a a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. That's the kind of clinging that the Lord is talking about. He's comparing that to the the union of a husband and wife. It's a picture of how we're supposed to cling to the Lord. So, we are barnacles. We're always going to cling to something. The the trick is, is to get stuck on God. So that we're always clinging just to Him. The way to move forward is actually to get stuck. The way to move forward in your life is to get stuck on God. The way to move forward as a church is for us as a group to just get crazy about God. We can't stop thinking about Him. We can't stop talking to Him. We're just completely enamored by Him. The way to move forward is to get stuck. Now, in the next chapter, this is kind of a famous verse, if you know the Bible at all a little bit. In in chapter 24, Joshua then gives the people a charge. Okay, Here's what he says. Verse 14, I'm going to jump down. The beginning is all kind of a rehashing of, of what God's done for the Israelites. Verse 14, chapter 24. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then I'm summarizing the people basically say, "We, we will too. Okay? And then down in verse 19, Joshua says, You are not able to serve the Lord. For He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Man, what a great pep talk. Okay, guys. Second half. Okay? We really got to work on the press and we're going to pass a lot and got to focus on the rebounds. And you know what? You can't do it. You're going to (laughs) lose. All right, now go get them. Get out there. You can't do it. Isn't that interesting? But that's the truth is that we can't. We can't do it. A barnacle has got one shot and it's clinging to a rock. can't change much if you're a barnacle, can you? That's a bummer. Enter Jesus. The sweetest name, isn't it? See, God knew we can't do it. And the Israelites couldn't do it. And all this bad stuff that Joshua's talking that's going to happen, happens. Because they can't do it. And there's only one person that could, and his name is Jesus. Because he's God. He came to this earth and He lived a perfect life. And the reward for living a perfect life was to be crucified by the people that He came to love and serve. And the whole point was so that God, being a righteous God and hating wickedness and evil, He hates every wicked thing because it destroys what He created and loves. So that God could say, I'm going to punish evil and I'm going to punish myself my own son. I'm going to take all the judgment on myself so that everyone who just believes in me and repents and says, Lord, I need forgiveness that I can forgive them. And so God offers us forgiveness from all the wicked things that we've done. Thoughts, you know, backbiting, whatever it is in your life. God offers us forgiveness. But it doesn't just stop there. Because then Jesus, you know what He did? He rose from the dead. And now He's alive. And He gives us His Spirit to change us. The metaphor the Bible uses to be born again. You know, Christians say, oh, I'm a born again Christian. That's from the Bible. We need to be born again. We need to be made new. We need to have a, a different heart that longs to do what is right and not just things that will serve ourselves. Now. Not all barnacles cling to rocks. Do you know that? Some barnacles cling to whales. But they're actually a different species. It's not the same barnacle. You can't go from being a rock barnacle and then just say, you know what, I'm going to go to a whale this time. Or I'm going to have my kids go to, can't do it, different species. We have to be made new. We have to be changed by Saying God, I need your help. I cannot do this i can 't cling to you. I want to cling to all this stuff in the world. Oh, i always been putting my hope in something else besides you. I need to cling to you. you know whale barnacles they attach themselves to the whale the the um, oh boy, some big science word here it 's called com, uh, obligate commensalism it's it 's where the um, it doesn't hurt the whale, but it doesn't help it. It's just kind of like it's just helpful for the barnacle to cling to the whale, but it doesn't hurt it, it doesn't help it either. But it's just kind of there hanging on to the whale. Okay. What's interesting is that these whale barnacles have a space in their in their shells where the skin of the whale can actually grow up into the barnacle. Isn't that amazing? So it's actually hard to tell where the whale ends and where the barnacle begins. That's what God wants it to be like with us. Because God put us on this world to be a mirror of Him. To reflect His goodness and to make the choices in our lives that God would make. So that the world would look like, it, like heaven looks. Perfect. The way to move forward is to be stuck. To be stuck to God. But we can't do that. But Jesus can. And He can give us the power to do it too. By giving us His Spirit. So we need to get stuck on God. Our obsession. Our addiction. Our hobby. Our closest companion. Our recurring dream. Our fantasy. Our everything. Now, Joshua gives some specifics about clinging to God in this passage. He says, okay, first of all, he tells them to keep and do all that is in the book. Okay? Do what's in the book. Secondly, he tells them to be very careful to love the Lord their God. Right? Here's the war of a thousand choices right here. Doing what it says in the book and loving God. And it takes being very careful to do that. It's a complicated world out there. It's really complicated even to raise a kid. There's so many decisions that you have to make. We have to be intentional in those things. And the third thing that Joshua does is he reminds them of what God has done for them. He rehashes all the the things that God's done in this book. God fought for them to fulfill the promise. And the biggest fight was Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross. God led them into the land. He drove out the nations. And it says in the passage, He did it for their sake. You see, it's, it's, the more we understand the goodness and the kindness of God, the easier it's going to be to cling to Him. To get stuck on Him. Because He's so good. How many of you out there love Hydrox? And people don't know what that is. You guys know Hydrox? You don't even know if they exist anymore. You know, the imitation Oreo cookies that taste awful. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, Oreos! Oh, no thanks. Hydrox, right? There's nothing like the real thing, is there? So i got to do another one. You know, Cheerios... The, the imitation ones just never taste quite the same, do they? There's some things you can buy, the store brand, but you've got to be careful about it. You can't go there, okay? There's nothing like the real thing. St. Augustine again. You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in You. God made us to only find our rest in Him. And it's going to be restless with anything else that we're pursuing because it's never going to satisfy. We're always going to be saying, what's the next thing? What's the next job? Who's the next person? This person, ah, didn't work out. On to the next one. Maybe they will make me find rest, peace, comfort. It's only God. So all of this stuff that Joshua is saying is all to the same point. Fix your eyes. Fix your thoughts on God. We have to get stuck on God. It's not enough just to release our grasp from these idols. We have to cling to the Lord. It's the only way that we will be satisfied. And it is the only way that we will advance. John Piper says God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The way to move forward is to get stuck. It's to get stuck on God. And the benefit is rest. It's being satisfied. It's being at peace. If you're a whale barnacle, you get to travel the earth. You know, I mean, the ocean, the whales, they do their migration south and north, and they're all over the place, and some of them jump out of the water and crash. Isn't that fun? All right, the analogy's breaking down a little bit. But you get the point, right? It's better than just being stuck to a lifeless rock that cannot satisfy you. An idol that doesn't have a voice and doesn't have eyes and something that will never give you rest. Attach yourself to something that's alive, that can speak. It can give you power to reflect God in this world. The way to move forward is to to be stuck. If you're not stuck on God, you're stuck on something else. Because we're barnacles. We're always clinging to something. The way out of addiction is actually addiction. People that go through AA, they have to stay in AA. They recognize the higher power. They say, I can't do it myself. Those are two of the foundational things of AA, right? Higher power, I can't change myself. I need someone else to help me. They have to become addicted to something else. A higher power that actually can change the species of barnacle that they are. Right? For your sake, God is saying, forsake your idols and cling to Me. It's for your own sake and it's for the sake of the world. We've got to let go, but we also need to cling. The way to move forward is to be stuck. Stuck on God.